Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. If you're a little like me, the holidays become a little monotonous. And unfortunately for us adults, we know that sometimes that... uh, cynical view of the holidays in this time of year can kind of linger with us kind of for the rest of our lives. And maybe it's the over-commercialization of really this entire last part of the year. I mean, if you think about it from uh, August or September all the way through the end of the year, you are inundated with some holiday, something. And as soon as the back-to-school stuff leaves at Walmart, the Halloween stuff is there. And as soon as the Halloween stuff is gone, the Christmas stuff is there. And as much as I'm a lover of Christmas time, I mean, even from the first bit of chill in September, I begin to listen to some Christmas music here and there. I love the Christmas season. I love Christmas decorations. I love Christmas trees. But it can be a little overwhelming. And I understand that for many, the holiday season, holiday in general, any holiday, is a time of loss, maybe a time of pain. We find ourselves over busy, over shopped, oversold, overburdened. Now maybe your burden this holiday season is different. Maybe instead of just being inundated with the commercialization of everything, you're just experiencing pain and hurt, sorrow, despair, grief. Maybe these have been the first major holidays, Thanksgiving and now Christmas, without a loved one that was here last year. And maybe since COVID, just things haven't been the same for your family in terms of gathering and being able to line up your schedules and be together as it has been for ours. Perhaps today, you're still in your sins and you haven't yet come to faith in Christ. You can't get over the guilt of your past, the shame of your past. Maybe coming into a church setting or a religious setting in, in any sense, you don't feel quite at home, quite at, in where you're supposed to be. And maybe whatever the burden is this holiday season, you ask yourself, what good is it to have a Savior who means nothing more than a sort of silly Christmas song on the radio? Again, I love Christmas songs. Someone asked me what my favorite Christmas song was yesterday. I think it was Paige. And I said my favorite secular Christmas song is Silver Bells. But if all Christmas was about was Silver Bells and soon it will be Christmas Day, I mean, what good news is that for anybody? What good is it to have a Savior who doesn't understand your grief and your hurt and your loss and your despair? What good is it to have a Savior who comes only for the righteous and the pious and those who have their stuff together? Where does that leave you? Lost? Confused? Guilty? Trying to find your footing in this season and maybe you don't know where to start? 
Isaiah was a prophet in much a similar situation in ancient Judah. If you were with us in our study through First and Second Kings this past semester on Wednesday nights, you remember we talked about the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, and the kings of Judah. And Isaiah had the unfortunate duty, well, fortunate for the most part, because the kings that he served were relatively good. But his message to these four final, four of the final kings of Judah, though they were mostly good, was not one of endless blessing. He foresaw a time when Israel and Judah would again forsake God and they would be judged for their sins, sent into exile. Remember the book of Kings takes us in this up and down sort of roller coaster through the good and the bad and the ugly, whether it's the sins of the people, the sins of the king, and we go from good to bad to worse. We see the sin of the people, we see the promises of God, we see the coming judgment of God, all intertwined with the hope of God's faithfulness, his faithfulness to fulfill his promises to his people, the promise to send a king to reign forever in righteousness and justice. Isaiah's prophecies point several times to the inevitable doom of Judah and Jerusalem, which as you recall, happened in 722 B.C. with the Babylonian exile of Judah and Jerusalem. And surely the first part of Isaiah's prophecies are dark and dismal and there's judgment. But then there's this shift in Isaiah chapter 40. We begin to see rays of hope even for this people that is in exile. This people that is lost, confused, Maybe not unlike many of you this morning, lost, hurting, shameful, full of fear, full of guilt, full of sin, longing for hope, longing for joy. Look at how Isaiah begins, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, with these words from the Lord in the midst of words of judgment. Isaiah 40, verse 1, comfort, comfort my people says your God. And if you'd been reading in the previous chapters, you would wonder what possible comfort could there be? What comfort is there here? What joy, what peace, what hope, and what love as we light all the Advent candles, hope, joy, love, peace. Where is that for me? Where is that for these people who will find themselves under God's judgment in exile, lost and confused and doubting God's goodness and doubting God's faithfulness? But God says, comfort my people. What was Isaiah's reason for hope in this promise? What was Isaiah's reason for telling the people in their sin in their unbelief, and even in this time of judgment, how could he possibly look to the people of Judah and say, God says, comfort. Because of an earlier prophecy, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, unto us a son is born, a child is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There was the source of Isaiah's hope. There was the source of the hope for the people of Judah, lost confused in a foreign land in exile under God's judgment, hurting, broken, painful, in shame and in fear, unto you will be born a son and a child who will be no less than the everlasting God. What reason is there for your hope this morning? Your peace, your joy, A Savior has come to you. I titled this series, Born for You. We sing that. We sang it today in the hymn, Infant Lowly and Infant Holy, Infant Lowly. The end of the chorus says, Christ the babe was born for you. Christ the Lord was born for you. Not just born to you. Not just born here to do something. But he was born for you. Perhaps we need to be reminded why he came this season, that he came for you. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul sums up the gospel in this way. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Are you a sinner this morning? Are you hurting? Are you broken? Are you grieving, thinking this season is just not for me? All the joy and all the lights and all the happiness and the music and the incessant stuff on TV, this is just not for me. The Bible says that this news is precisely for you, that Christ did not come for the righteous. He did not come for the well He did not come for the put together. He came for you. And one of the tenderest promises, at least in my mind, about that comes to us here also in Isaiah chapter 40, particularly verse 11. The word of God comes to Isaiah. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. And he will gather the lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Here we see the tender picture of a shepherd and his flock. It's a much needed picture of salvation and rescue for a people in exile, don't you think? Away from their homeland, scattered. Far from God, far from his promises, so they thought. Scared, lost, confused, not knowing what's coming next. Doesn't it sound comforting to say to these lost sheep that there's a shepherd coming who will tend his flock? A shepherd who will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them and tenderly lead them. Perhaps it's a much-needed picture of salvation and rescue for you this season. Not knowing where to turn, what to think, what to do with all of this news. Unless we begin to see this as some distant, 
ambivalent, stern shepherd just doing his job, just doing his duty, just leading the sheep with no care for them. Isaiah removes all confusion. The Lord in his sovereign goodness and grace removes all confusion from how we see him to see a tender, loving, compassionate shepherd who provides for and cares for the sheep. So number one today here, we see the shepherd's provision. The shepherd's provision. The picture of this shepherd promised to a people in exile, born for sinners like you and me, is the picture of a shepherd who, verse 11 says, will tend his sheep. Now, I've chosen to entitle today's sermon, He Shall Feed His Flock. And that comes from King James and most notably from Handel's Messiah, who wrote a wonderful, beautiful piece of music based on this very text, He Shall Feed His Flock. And that word tend there, you'll know this word when I tell you what it is. The word tend is the word yire. You might be more familiar with hearing it pronounced gyra. The Lord who provides. Jehovah Jireh, it's the same thing. Yahweh, yire. The Lord who provides, who tends, who cares for. Yes, who feeds. So although it says tends, and some of your verses will say cares for or feeds, it's all the same. Here is a shepherd who cares for, tends, and feeds his sheep. This is the picture of the shepherd we see in Psalm 23, who leads his sheep to safety and green pastures, who leads his sheep beside still waters and protects them and comforts them with his rod and his staff. Can you imagine being the people of Israel, the people of Judah, in exile and hearing this promise from the Lord that a shepherd will come and he will tend his flock. He will care for his flock just like that good shepherd in the Psalms. What hope for those who felt as if they had been cut off from God, who were lost, who were exiled who are confused. What hope for you today? Listen, some of you who may indeed be cut off from God. Some of you today who have not yet placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus for salvation think that you have peace with God simply because He is loving and merciful. That same God who is loving and merciful and gracious is also just and holy and righteous, and he will give you exactly what you deserve for your sins. But the love and the grace comes in in that he sends Jesus to take that penalty on himself, to rise again on the third day, so that the offer for you sinning unbelievers today might be, come to him, repent of your sins, trust in him, And know his grace and his provision. So some of you today hearing these words might very well be far off from God. But the invitation is extended to you. Come to him while there is yet time. What hope there is for you today who are hurting. Who are grieving. Who are in pain. In need of grace. In need of provision. Here is a shepherd who lovingly. Graciously 
and tenderly tends and feeds his flock. Simple question for you this morning. I don't want you to take this too literally. Take it spiritually. It's only 11 o'clock in the morning. Are you hungry? Are you hungry this holiday season? Do you find yourself empty? Do you find yourself turning off the Christmas songs? Rolling your eyes at the decorations in the mall or Walmart? Do you find yourself ignoring the Christmas season for some reason, whatever it is in your life? Do you find yourself in need? And all of that stuff can't seem to touch that need. Whatever hurt is there, whatever pain is there, grief, shame, fear, guilt, sin, And all the self-help books and all the self-help podcasts and the empty religionists of the world have no answer for you except try harder, be better, take some supplements and just try to feel better. This shepherd comes to tend his flock. He comes to feed his flock. He comes to provide for his sheep. Number two here, we see the shepherd's care. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Maybe this holiday season you don't feel like you have the strength to go on. You can't seem to find the footing that you need to know what to think about this particular time of year. Maybe it's an empty place at the Thanksgiving table this past week. Maybe it'll be an empty chair around the fire this Christmas. Maybe it's a lingering guilt, a lingering temptation. Whatever it is, you can't seem to figure out what to do or what to make of this time of year or what to make or do with this news of the gospel. What is my need for this guy named Jesus? What does he have to do with me? This same shepherd who provides for you, who God said will come and provide for his people, he goes on to say that he will pick you up and he will carry you. And not just carry you thrown over his shoulder with no care and no sympathy, but what does it say? He will gather his lambs in his arms and carry them close to his bosom. Isn't that good news for the lost Isn't that good news for the broken, for those who are dead in their sins and trespasses, that you cannot do this? I don't know if you expect to come into church during a Christmas season and hear a sermon about suffering and pain and hurt and brokenness and have a preacher look at you and say, you can't do this. 
I can't give you a bullet point, one, two, three, six simple steps to happiness this Christmas season or whatever it is to help you get over those things. Because the Bible does not come to us with the message of be better, do better, try harder. The Bible says you can't do this. But he will carry you. It's good news for the hurting this holiday season. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this one. This is going to be the toughest Christmas yet. Maybe you've been dreading this particular holiday season your entire life because of a hurt, a grief, a pain that has appeared this past year. This is good news for the sinner this holiday season. Maybe you don't yet know why all this is such good news for you. Maybe you know the story. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're familiar with the story of Jesus. Maybe you're not. And maybe you still don't know what it has to do with you. Psalm 147 verse 3. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You who are hurting, who are in pain, who are grieving, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. In John 12, 27, Jesus is staring down the shadow of the cross. It's right there. A couple chapters later, a couple days later, he will be there at the cross. And he says to his disciples, now my hour has come. And what shall I say, Jesus says, Father, deliver me from this hour. I see the pain. I see the suffering. I see the death and the judgment for the sins of my people, Father. And, and Jesus says, I see all that. And what, do I, what do I say to that? Father, save me from this? He says, no. But for this very reason, I came into the world. That is why Jesus came. And it brings us to the revelation of all this, who this shepherd is. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus reveals himself as this shepherd that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 40. He's saying this is, this is more than just some sentimental painting that we hang up in our churches of Jesus with some sheep. And we look at that, we think, well, that's a nice picture. I really don't know what that means. This is more than that. This is a divine revelation of a divine promise that is now personified in a divine person. That the hope and the joy and the love and the peace that was promised to that people in exile then has been revealed in this Savior born in Bethlehem. And Jesus boldly says, I am the good shepherd. 
Jesus, you mean you're the one God promised that will tend his flock and will carry his lambs in his arms and lead those that are with young? That's you, Jesus says, yes. Can I say it again? I am the good shepherd who, no matter how slippery, how sideways, how backwards our steps may be, No matter how bad your hurt, your pain, and your grief, and your loss may be this season. No matter how bad you may perceive your sin and your lostness to be this season. Is the same one who says just a few verses later in John 10, 28 and 29. I give my sheep eternal life. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father is greater than I, and no one is able to snatch them out of His hand. He Himself provides. He Himself picks up and carries His sheep in His arms. And the question for you today is, do you hear His voice? John 10, 27, just a few verses before that we just read. My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. So the question for you this holiday season, the question for you every single day of your life is, do you hear the voice of this shepherd? His sheep hear. His sheep know Do you hear? Do you know? And you say, well, pastor, what does he say? What is the word from this shepherd to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting, to the grieving, to the vilest sinner? What would he say to you? I just ask you to ask that in your own soul and heart right now as I ask it. If Jesus were to speak right now to you, what would he say? Maybe you're, you're bringing in some sort of other religious baggage or denominational background or, or some other stuff or your guilt or sin or shame or hurt or brokenness. And all of that is informing what you think Jesus would say to you if he walked into this room right now and spoke with you face to face. What would he say to you? Do better. Try harder. Why don't you straighten yourself out? Why don't you get up? Why don't you keep moving? The gospel is a sweeter word than that. The shepherd's words are better than that. Because this shepherd, in his loss, In his brokenness, in his hurt, in his grief, in his death, says, come home. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight. His invitation is simple. Come to me. Not be better, try harder, not what's wrong with you, not why can't you do this, not why do you keep doing that, simply come to me. And what is his promise? I will give you rest. Do you simply need to come home today? I'm going to make sure I specify this two different ways because sometimes in our, our speaking, we can kind of, are, are we talking to believers or unbelievers? So I want to make sure you understand. His invitation to believers in the room today is come home. Maybe believer today You have placed your faith and trust in Christ. You're a Christian. You've said yes to Jesus. You're following him. Maybe you're struggling with a particular sin, a particular temptation that always bites, that you keep losing to. Maybe it's the sin of the heart, of the mind, of the body. Maybe, believer, you're lost in an emotional mess, a spiritual mess. Something is wrong with your relationship with God. You're saved. You, you are his child. You're one with him through Christ, but you're far from him. You're distant from him. Church has not been important to you. Bible reading and Bible study has not been important to you. Being with God's people has not been important to you, and you're far from him, and you're far from fellowship with him. His invitation to you, believer, is come home. Believer, maybe you are in that list that's in deep pain and grief this holiday season. The invitation to you is to come home and find your comfort and rest in him. Now, on the other side of this is that same invitation, but for unbelievers. Those in the room right now, or listening, or watching that have not yet said yes to Jesus. That may know all the stuff and all the stories, but for whatever reason have put it off, have said, yes, I think I believe that, but I really don't know about all that stuff. Or maybe you're here today and you just be honest enough to say, no, I don't believe any of that. The invitation to you, unbeliever, is the same. It doesn't change His tone doesn't change from the believer to the unbeliever in his invitation. It's still the open arms and the open invitation that says, come home. So wherever you find yourself this morning, hungry, thirsty, maybe you just say, I need rest. I need comfort. Maybe you just need a place to cry, somewhere to weep, somewhere to find refuge, to find forgiveness for your sins and relief from this guilt that plagues you. 
Look no further than to the shepherd Jesus who feeds his flock, gathers his sheep in his arms, and carries them. And what does he feed us with? What is his provision? What is the material of his care for us? It's himself. It's nothing more, nothing less than himself. I came for you. Isn't that the promise we see in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3? The new heavens and the new earth. We talked about this a few weeks ago with with the second coming and the promise of his return and the joy and the hope and the peace of that day. And why is it so joyful? Why is it such a glad day for believers when we see the face of Jesus? Because this promise will be true. That the dwelling place of God will be with us. And he will be our God and we will be his people. The promise of that last day is that he will forever provide us with himself. Advent is a season of already and not yet. Advent is this time that comes to us and we remember that Christ came preparing ourselves for Christmas, but also looking forward to the day when he comes again. And that promise that secured those people 70 years in exile, that a shepherd was coming, the promise that was fulfilled when Jesus was born and says, I am the good shepherd, and he laid his life down for his sheep. That same promise is the promise that is yet coming again. And the reality and the fullness of all those promises will be fully realized then. So that Advent becomes this time that we say, he has come, he is yet coming. And he will feed his flock and gather his sheep and carry them. And there will be no more pain, no more tears, and no more suffering, no more death, and no more sorrow. And here's the best news. There will be no more sin. But only God himself provision, love, and joy in him. I want to tell you today that you can know the hope of that promise today. As we lit the candle of hope this morning on the Advent wreath, you can know the hope of God that is in Jesus. So that when he returns, you will know it in full on that day. To the grieving, to the hurting, to the brokenhearted, to the sinner, Jesus was born for you.
softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner, come home. Our God and our Father, we give you thanks and praise this first Sunday of the Advent season for the promise of eternal life that we have in Christ. God, we confess today that while we sing songs of joy and gladness and light and life, For many of us in this room right now, there is darkness. There's pain. There's confusion. There's a sense of loss this holiday season that doesn't seem to go with all the lights and all the joy that is around us. God, remind us this morning of the promise that we have of a shepherd who cares for us and who comes to gather us and to carry us. And so help us to see in all the lights and all the joy this promise that although we are sinners, Although we do know brokenness and loss and grief and pain and sickness and suffering. You have shown your light into that darkness through your son, Jesus. And you've given us that simple, wonderful invitation. Come home. So now, God, for unbelievers who are in this room, maybe for the first time dealing with questions of their sin and guilt and their place before you, I ask that now as we pray, you would convict them of that sin, convict them of their unbelief and their refusal to bow their knee to Jesus, and that even as we sing and pray today, you would bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ confessing him as Lord, repenting of their sins and following him with their lives so that they can know this hope and joy and peace that is in him. God, for believers in this room today who are experiencing loss and grief and pain and despair and whatever else may be plaguing us in this room today, wash over us with your Holy Spirit and remind us that this invitation is not lost to us that you hold out your arms to us yet still because we're your children. And you say, come home. God, help us to obey you in this time as we respond to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. That's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806 
935-5604. We'll see you next time.